True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. High drive, center field, hit the wall, grand slam. This is magnificent. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Alec Mills, I tried to tell you. Happy Monday and welcome to Fantasy Baseball today on September 14th. He is Scott White. I am Frank Sample. It is crunch time. The Fantasy Baseball playoffs are here. You pumped up, Scott? Oh, I'm so excited. So excited, Frank. What about you? I'm pretty excited. I've In my head-to-head leagues, we have the podcast for the People League, where I have advanced to the second round of the playoffs. And I'm going to be one of the top seeds in the other podcast league, so things... Things are going pretty well. How are your leagues treating you at this point? Uh, good overall, but I believe I am eliminated in both of the podcast leagues this week. So not not a good showing versus our loyal following. But everywhere else, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, I, that lead in the Tout Wars, that huge lead I once had, has gotten very small mm. over Rudy Gamble who is like my nemesis in that league, Rudy Gamble of Razzball. It's, it's shrunk to a couple points, but I'm, I'm holding on there. I'm holding on in several Roto Leagues, and uh, I, hope to, I hope to have several victories, several notches on the old belt when the season is done. I'm rooting for you, Scott. Take it home, man. Take home Towers. Rudy Gamble is a fantastic player. I have participated in a few leagues with him before. I know that he is always competitive in Tout Wars as well, so uh, hoping that you can take that down. You know what's crazy about Roto Leagues that I've noticed this year more than ever? Obviously, it's a crazy season, and it's a shortened season, but because we're only two months in, like you could still get these crazy jumps in points in Roto like every single day. Like The standings move rapidly, which normally towards the end of the season, when we're here in you know late September, things don't... <laughs> Things don't usually move around this, you know, this easily in a roto league. So it's crazy. It's going to make for some wild finishes in fantasy baseball. That is for sure. Today on the show, we're recapping the entire weekend. We have lots of names to discuss for our starters. Sit. We have some waiver wire names as well to get to. Uh, and before we get to Alec Mills's no hitter, obviously, it's just crazy. Uh, I don't know how many people even realize Alec Mills threw a no hitter uh, because considering it was. Uh, the opening weekend of the NFL, but he did, and we'll get to it. But Scott, a few people emailed in asking, 
Do you change anything about your process in the fantasy playoffs, whether it be setting your lineups or streaming options? A few different people I've asked before, and I can't really think of anything. I think people just tend to overthink this time of year. I mean, in terms of managing the overall roster, it changes a bit. If you don't see yourself starting a player in the next week or two, you know, obviously just strictly talking about redraft leagues, then that player is free to go, even if it's one you wouldn't have dreamed of dropping a month ago. I, I mean, there is something to be said. For, if, if, if you think it's a really good player and you just don't want to you just don't see yourself using them. You don't want to hand that really good player to your opponent. So you might just have to keep them stashed to keep them from falling in the wrong hands. But, you know, Marcus Simeon is a good example. Marcus Simeon in a league where I have Corey Seager and Alex Bregman. So I have my starting shortstop. I have a guy I could shift over to shortstop if Seager were to get hurt. There's just, uh, I think it's very unlikely in the next week, Simeon does anything that's going to make him an, someone I'll start the final week of the season. And, you know, based on the way the season has gone for him, I'm not so worried about my opponent getting him either. This is a particularly shallow league, uh, you know, not like one of those 15-team roto leagues. But in one of those shallower leagues, I, I did drop Marcus Simeon finally. Uh, I just had no use for him anymore. Yeah, and there's a few other big names that we'll get to. Uh, some emails people sent in asking about, like, J.D. Martinez, who's just been dreadful. There's... I don't know that there's anything else to say about J.D. Martinez. And we spoke about a lot of these names last week as well. Uh, these big names, star players, you will, some might say, uh, that you can either drop or bench heading into your fantasy playoffs. But let's get things started. Uh, one other point I want to bring up about yep. roster management is, like, normally I'm not a big fan of, like, looking weeks ahead at what starting pitcher matchups are going to look like. And this week is... This season has been... <laughs> You know, particularly good example why they just change so much. You you really can't project that far ahead when a pitcher's spot, his start is going to line up. But with just two weeks that we're looking at here, I I think you can play that game a little more. So somebody like Dean Kramer, who had uh, a second good start, I believe it was on was a Friday or Saturday. It was over the weekend against the Yankees. His first start was against the Yankees too. So which, which I think is notable because. They knew what they were expecting this time, and yet they still didn't hit him. I, I'd still have, you know, some hesitation there with Kramer because the walks. I think he had three walks in his start. Um, what day was it? It was Saturday, I think. Saturday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Five inning start, three walks, seven strikeouts, one earned run. The whiff rate has been kind of low in both the starts, as good as the results have been. So I'm not totally sure. I'm not totally sure he's somebody I want starting, but obviously he's widely available. And while I don't think I would use him this upcoming week, his start, let's see, he's going against the The Rays Rays on Thursday. I think that means he's going to be lined up for, let me double check the Orioles schedule final week. There's a chance he's lined up for two starts the final week. So it might be worth stashing him away if he has a good start against the, another good start against the Rays this upcoming week. Then you have him for two starts. That would be at Boston and at Toronto if, if he indeed lines up for those two starts. Again, that is Dean Kramer. And I have a lot of names just like him. Some fringy starting pitchers. 
what should we do with those guys? Should we be adding them? Should we be starting them this upcoming week? I have a bunch of those names. So we will get to them. But of course, let's hit the weekend standouts. Oh my goodness gracious. All right, Scott, let's just start with Alec Mills. I don't know that there's much that we can offer here in terms of fantasy advice. I I think that this is kind of similar to the Brady Singer situation from last week. This was a fantastic start for him. He threw a no-hitter against the Milwaukee Brewers. Fantastic start. You know, just five strikeouts, three walks, uh, 112 pitches, but only five swinging strikes. His last two starts for Alec Mills, he has allowed no runs, just four hits, six walks, over 15 innings pitched. He is 53% rostered. The problem is he is facing the Twins this week. If you do want to look ahead in a deeper league, he faces the Pirates in the final week of the season. So that's something I can get behind, but... Someone who still kind of pitches to contact, Scott. I mean, the skills aren't great. I I don't think that we can really advise people to start Alec Mills in their fantasy playoffs against the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, I'm really happy for him. Good for him. This is uh, something nobody can take away from him, just like nobody can take Philip Umber's perfect game (laughs) away from him. Um, 480x FIP on the year for Alec Mills. Yeah, I, I, he's, a, he's a decent ground ball pitcher. He hasn't gotten many whiffs this year, not as many as he got as in kind of a swing man role last year. And I just, I don't see much reason to get excited by this no hitter in which he struck out five and walked three. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you're reaching there if you go after him based on this performance. All right. Well, that's basically it on Alec Mills. I wanted to shine some light on him. Obviously, uh, give him, Give him his moment here because, I mean, that is no small feat accomplishing a, a no-hitter, but I don't think it really I didn't say much. perfect game for him, right? I mentioned Umber's perfect game, but it yes. was just a no-hitter for Mills. I'm not sure. My 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 short-term memory is failing me there, what I actually said. <laughs> I believe you said no-hitter, so. Okay, good. Uh, all right, Scott, who do you have? And oh my goodness gracious, stand out of the weekend, potentially a waiver wire ad, whatever. Whoever stands out most to you. I, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go on the de- off off the deep end here with Jared Walsh mm. of the Angels, who has been playing a lot lately. Angels don't have a lot to play for, so they've been they've been given Walsh a test drive as an everyday part of their lineup, and uh, it's going very well. It's going very well. He has homered five times now in ten September games batting 389 in those games, only six strikeouts in those 10 games. So the strikeouts were something he got a brief look last year. Uh, They kind of disqualified him from ever, ever getting a foothold. He was striking out so much, but the strikeout rate has actually been low this year. And uh, Jared Walsh last year in the minors hit 325 with 36 home runs and only 382 at-bats. That's good for an 1109 OPS. He had 29 home runs two years ago in the minor. So power is legitimate here. And if he's, you know, if he's going to put the bat on the ball that often, I think he has a chance to develop into something here. He did. He was purchased in both of my 15 team Roto leagues, tout wars and TGFBI tonight. Uh, I, I was interested in him myself because power hitting is, is something I'm pursuing in both of those leagues. Uh, I was outbid in tout where somebody bid $16. That's out of a thousand. I won the bid in TGFBI for $7 again out of a thousand. So, you know, I'm not sure he's 
he's somebody I'm rushing out to add everywhere. Obviously, not much of a track record there, but specifically in those roto leagues, you know, kind of a recommendation in the the Bobby Dahlbeck or Adam Duvall vein, where if you're chasing home runs, Jared Walsh might come through for you. Yeah, Jared Walsh, very hot right now. Multiple hits in four straight games. You mentioned the power being up. He has homered in four of his last five games. He's only 6% rostered, and he plays six home games this upcoming week. We did get a question from Ben regarding Jared Walsh. He says that he's in need of home runs and RBI. I can start one of Bobby Dahlbeck, Gio Urshela, who looks like he's going to return on Tuesday from the IL, or... Jared Walsh, who would you play of those three this week if you're chasing home runs in RBI, Scott? Want to check, double check the matchups here because Bobby Dahlbeck, he's he's off to like he's had one of those starts with you know a bunch of home runs in a short period of time begin to begin his career, like Austin Riley or Trevor Story a few years back. That usually makes a lot of headlines, and it's been really quiet. He homered in five straight games last week. Uh, so he has been striking out a lot, though, unlike Walsh. I actually don't love the matchups for either Dahlbeck or Walsh this upcoming week. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah, I don't love him. I don't love him for either one. The final week, I'll point out, Dahlbeck clearly has better matchups than Walsh. So that might, in terms of rostership, that might determine which of those two you go with. As for who to start this week between those two and Urshela, I think if your main focus is home runs, you probably shouldn't start Urshela, though he might be the safest RBI source of the three. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I I think I'm leaning Dahlbeck there, but it's not a very strong leaning. How, how would you go, Frank? Yeah, this is a little bit tougher. I mean, Walsh has been homering in Coors Field, which obviously uh, helps with that kind of production. And, but Dahlbeck's striking out like 46% of the time. Mm-hmm. Eh, it is close. If you just need power, I, I would probably lean Dahlbeck as well. But... I like I like the addition of Walsh, you know, in deeper leagues, I think, you know, where you added him some 15-team roto, even some 12-team rotos. You know, if people need corner infielders or utilities, uh, I think Jared Walsh is a name to pay attention to. But it, for this gentleman in particular who is chasing power, I would go with Bobby Dahlbeck. I think that makes sense. Some news and notes, Scott. Sonny Gray. Remember that whole deep dive we did on Friday's podcast? That was fun. Uh, He was placed on the IL on Sunday with a mid-back strain. Perhaps that explains the past two starts. I don't know if Sonny Gray is going to be able to return for the rest of the season. Maybe he makes one final start, but just keep that in mind. Make sure you get Sonny Gray out of your lineups. Someone who is returning for the Pittsburgh Pirates is Mitch Keller. He will return from the IL on Monday to start one of the team's doubleheaders, uh, one of the team's games in the doubleheader against the Cincinnati Reds. He is 38% rostered. Scott, does that make Mitch Keller a two-star pitcher this week? It does make him a two-star pitcher. There is no way I'm touching that, though. Got to see some results, especially after his velocity was down when we saw him at the start of the year. Give us something, Mitch. Give us something to be excited about heading into next year because, as you all know, or maybe you don't, I was a big fan of Mitch Keller and Joe Musgrove coming into the season, and that, yeah. Hasn't really worked out too well. Dallas Keuchel remains on track to return this Thursday against the Twins. Would you start Dallas Keuchel, Scott? First game back off the IL? Not if I could help it. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense, especially against the Twins. Although I think he's pitched a right against them this season, but don't know how deep he's going to go into the yeah. Those starts, first start right, back. Right. Yeah, I probably wouldn't mess with that. Matt Chapman and Anthony Santander are done for the season for the A's and the Orioles, respectively. Both can be dropped in redraft leagues. Dustin May could start Wednesday against the Padres. He's dealing with that foot contusion after being hit by a comebacker on Thursday. Scott, would you start or sit Dustin May this week? I would probably play it safe and sit him since that start, you know, sounds... Sounds very uncertain whether he's going to make that start, and that's uh, that's dangerous this time of year, especially. Yankees manager Aaron Boone said he expects Clint Frazier to continue receiving steady playing time when Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton are activated from the 10-day IL, likely later this week. So pay attention to that. But Clint Frazier has hit very well for the Yankees in a lineup that generally has not outside of him and Luke Voigt. So I, I think he will. I think they'll find a way to get Clint Frazier's bat in the lineup consistently. Come on, LeMayhew, man. He's been uh, awesome. That's true. How can I forget? Don't sell LeMayhew short. Yeah, he has been fantastic. It's going to be interesting to see whether or not the Yankees uh, bring him back in the offseason. I don't see why they wouldn't. He has been a great addition to their lineup uh, and really helps balance out all the other strikeouts there. So as a Yankee fan, I would like them to do so, but I think also for his fantasy value, it would be great if LeMahieu remains with the Yankees. Some more news out of New York. Aroldis Chapman's appeal of the three-game suspension he received earlier this month is expected to be heard on Monday. So I don't know if they're actually going to reduce that one because he threw like a 101-mile-per-hour pitch at some guy's head. Like, <laughs> I don't... I, they shouldn't. They shouldn't reduce it. I'll say that much, but I guess some may pay it, attention. It sounds like he's going to miss... Like, I don't think they'd reduce it to zero. They might reduce it to one. Yeah. So he's at least going to miss one game next week. They only have six on the schedule in a week where some teams are, well, there's one team playing 10, a couple playing nine. Uh, so, you know, you're probably not benching Aroldis Chapman, but if it's like a league where you only start two relievers and you have several, maybe you would think about it. Yeah. Something to uh, keep in mind there, of course, with, Aroldis Chapman, I already mentioned this, Gio Urshela could be back from the 10-day IL on Tuesday as well. Marlins prospect and former first-round pick Braxton Garrett was called up to start on Sunday against the Phillies, and his final line, five innings pitched, three hits, one earned run, two walks, six strikeouts. He was actually pretty good. The problem here, Scott, is I don't know that he's going to remain in the rotation. Have you seen anything regarding this, or was just a spot start with the... Doubleheader this week. Although I haven't seen. I haven't seen indication one way or another. Uh, they could kick Jose Arena out. They could kick. I mean, Trevor Rogers was terrible last time out, but has been good overall. Uh, so that's a possibility too. I, I did note Garrett Braxton Garrett was. The scouting report has him as a guy who throws like low to mid nineties. He actually averaged eighty nine point five on his fastball on this start. So I don't know what was up with that. Ooh. Wasn't a lot of swinging strikes. I like him overall. I think I like him more than the prospect consensus do uh, does. Um, just reminiscent. The, the the complete package is reminiscent of Max Freed to me. Uh, right down to him being a left-hander who was drafted seventh overall and once had Tommy John surgery. But curveball heavy. A lot of ground balls in his profile. I, I could see Braxton Garrett living up to that at some point. But... I don't know where the velocity was in this first start and 
as you point out, I don't know if he's going to stick in the rotation for any more starts. He is 5% rostered, and I get. I would assume that with all the doubleheaders they have this week, he probably gets another chance, but it's a little risky considering you know what you brought up with the velocity. So we're probably not adding Garrett outside of like deeper leagues, maybe not even there. I haven't been tempted to put in a claim for him. Okay. You know, obviously dynasty is a different story if, if uh, you know, depending how prospect heavy your dynasty league, how pitcher heavy it is, maybe you think about adding him there. Uh, also an interesting uh, debut over the week and pitching debut over the week, and that was doubleheader related. It didn't go well at all, but uh, for the Athletics, Dalton Jeffries, a former first round pick of theirs with terrific strikeout to walk ratio in the minors. He got sent back down right after the start, but just the fact that he's now in the mix for for starts, for call-ups, I think raises his value in, in deeper dynasty leagues. Wade Davis was reinstated Saturday, but manager Bud Black expects to use him in middle relief. Daniel Bard seems pretty safe for now. Kevin Gosman was scratched Sunday due to elbow soreness, so I haven't seen another update past that. Have you seen anything regarding Gosman, Scott? I have not. I took him out of my sleeper pitchers for this week because that sounds like something that could keep him out for sure. Oh, yeah. Nolan Arenado was absent from Sunday's lineup due to an AC joint injury in his left shoulder. Arenado has no official timetable for his return, though the team hopes he'll be able to avoid the injured list and return to action Tuesday against the A's. So pay attention to Nolan Arenado. Uh, Missed this last week, but Nate Lowe was called up by the Rays and has settled in as their starting first baseman with G-Man Choi being placed on the IL. Nate Lowe is just 8% rostered, Scott, and I know he had a big game. I believe it was on Friday. Yep, and then he two went, home runs. And then he went 0-4 for 4 with a golden sombrero on Sunday. So anything to see here with Nate Lowe? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a hitter we've been excited about, I think, dating back to 2018. Uh, and if he's getting the at-bats, it's... It's something to watch. I mean, he hasn't, other than the two homers he hit in that one game, he hasn't really done anything. So I, I, I don't know. I haven't felt great urgency to add him, even over guys like Dahlbeck or, or Walsh, you know. But uh, his, he's a guy with really good plate discipline and contact skills to go along with power that's emerged over the last couple of years. At least this is what his minor league numbers show, and. He could he could find himself. Um, I, I mean, I guess this is kind of an audition for him long term next year or even into the playoffs, perhaps. The Phillies play Spencer Howard on the IL with right shoulder stiffness. He can be dropped if you rostered him anywhere. Probably weren't rostering him, but just in case. Max Kepler was activated off the IL Sunday and was leading off for the Twins. He finished 0 for 4 in that game. Jose Altuve could return from his knee injury during the Astros' homestand, which begins on Tuesday. Scott, would you start Jose Altuve, who has six go home games, potentially, or somebody like Ty France, who plays seven games and has actually hit pretty well for the Mariners? Yeah, he has hit well for the Mariners, and I don't love their matchups in those seven games this week. It's worth pointing out. They have three games against what's the best part of the, or really good part of the Padres rotation. Um, I think, I think it's looking likely enough for Altuve that I'd go with him over somebody like France, 
but I do like France as like a deep league pickup, really high line drive rate guy who had ridiculous minor league numbers last year, granted in the juiced ball infused PCL, but still triple eligible and off to a really nice start on a team that, uh, that clearly values his skill set. So Ty France is, is an interesting deep pickup. Bobachet was activated Saturday and is one for eight since returning. Make sure to get him back in your weekly lineups. Salvador Perez also returned this weekend, and it was like he never left. Seven hits in three games, including a home run on Sunday. Also, make sure to get Salvador Perez in your lineups. Cole Hamels is scheduled to start Wednesday's game against the Baltimore Orioles. He is just 29% rostered. Any interest, Scott? I Did you call it a home sandwich for the Astros a minute ago when you were talking about Jose Altuve? A home sandwich? Yeah, did you did you say home sandwich? Maybe. My mind keeps lingering back to that moment. Did Frank <laughs> say home sandwich? I uh, I wrote I, homestand here, but there are times where I just say <laughs> things that I don't read. I like I don't know what I, happens. My mind just goes awry. So maybe I did. I, I thought that was like uh you know, some kind of slang I missed. But anyway, who are we talking about? <laughs> now you've got me thinking if I actually said it or not. I hope Home I did. sandwich. Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, Cole Hamels, 29% rostered. He is making his debut this week on Wednesday against the Orioles. Any interest? Not without seeing him first. He there, there was, I think there were some reasons to be encouraged way back in March before he ever got hurt. Uh, it, you know, really good start to the season last year with the Cubs, but a poor finish, but it was probably tied to an oblique injury. And yeah, who knows how healthy he is and, and obviously inconsistent over the past couple of years. So I, I'd need to see something before I have any interest there. And uh, I don't think I'll see enough, frankly, to make use of him this year. This is coming at a terrible time, but JT Real Muto was out of the lineup both games of Sunday's doubleheader. He's set to undergo an MRI on his hip on Monday. We received this question from Christopher in light of Real Muto's somewhat ambiguous injury and the Cardinals' 10-game schedule. Would you start Real Muto or Yadier Molina this week in a Roto League with OBP instead of average? I, I mean, be thankful you have Molina in the 10-game schedule there because that's that's a good situation if you're having to replace JT Real Muto, who I've always called Real Muto, but then I heard him say his name recently, and he pronounces it Real Muto, so I guess I should too. Anyway, yes, I think given how... Little we know about Real Muto's status right now. You should plan to start Molina. And uh, on the subject of promotions over the weekend, I do also want to shine a light on Alejandro Kirk, a catcher for the Blue Jays, who started Saturday's game, went one for three with a walk. He's, I think since being called up, he's sat twice and started once. So I don't know if the playing time's going to be there, but it's a very interesting profile for Alejandro Kirk, guy who has struck out less than he's walked in the minors and just looks like a really, it looks like a really great hit tool, which is not something you see often at the catcher position. Um, plus he's kind of short and stocky and everybody enjoys watching guys like that <laughs> run around. So yeah, definitely keep an eye on Alejandro's Kirk playing time in the coming days. Maybe even add him in some two-catcher leagues. That reminds me of Williams Asudio, right? Like, everyone just fell in love with him because he's, like, yeah. this small fry, but, like, not really small. I think his nickname was, like, La Tortuga, too. It's just made the most sense ever. 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting you bring him up because he also had like really good skills of putting the bat on ball. Probably good bat on ball skills, probably even beyond Kirk. But I think Kirk is more more of a well-rounded hitter and much younger. So I, you know, he's going to get an honest chance at some point here in the next week or year. There's actually no shortage of like young catchers that are contributing right now, or at least playing. Uh, Luis Torrens, the catcher prospect for the Mariners that they received in the Austin Nola trade, has been playing decently well. He's just 2% rostered. He has seven games this upcoming week, so another name just for two-catcher leagues if you're desperate. And then last week I brought up Sam Huff, but what I actually meant was the savior at catcher is Twins prospect Ryan Jeffers, who has actually been great for them. He's homered in... Uh, Four of his last, I believe it's five games. Yeah, and Just, there, there's there's some legitimacy to him as a prospect too. Ryan Jeffers has struck out a lot, uh, and with it sounding like Mitch Garver is going to be back at some point in the next week, I don't know that Jeffers is somebody you really need to pursue. Should you pursue Garver? I think that's a question worth asking, and. You know, maybe if you're the the guy who has real Muto and are having to replace him on short notice, that that might be one of your better bets. Is it's risky, obviously, but as we've been saying, as we had continued to say for Garver before he got hurt, like how many catchers are capable of matching that upside based on what else you can find on the waiver wire? Uh, virtually no one. Some final news items: Lance McCullers is set to return to the Astros rotation on Wednesday against the Rangers, which. I guess probably means Luis Garcia gets the boot, but then again, Christian Javier pitched in relief on Sunday night, Scott, so... Yeah, that was weird. Two innings of relief. I'm not sure we've really seen anything there. Uh, I was just double-checking to see if we know exactly when Garver's going to back. Just could return sometime in the next week, so that's very, very vague and makes me wonder... I don't know how, how worth pursuing he actually is. But getting back to who you brought up, which was Javier, who was in line for two starts. He was in line to start Tuesday's game after going two innings Sunday. You know, fat chance of that. I guess it is going to be Luis Garcia getting the two-start week for the Astros now. Um, I don't know what this means for Javier. I don't think you can start him this week because we don't know exactly when. I, I, I guess he's probably going to make a, a start this week. I don't know. Maybe Luis Garcia makes one start and then he's done. And then they slot Garcia in later in the week. I don't know. The, that upcoming, the, the, the upcoming week for the Astros has been thrown into chaos with this <laughs> unexpected Javier relief appearance. And you shouldn't expect any of their starters to make two starts, probably. Speaking of schedules changing, things being thrown for a loop, we did have a COVID scare over the weekend with the Giants and the Padres. They were canceled on Friday and Saturday. It was determined that it was a false positive test, and both teams resumed playing on Sunday. With that being said, Scott, any changes to the weekly planner that you wrote on Friday? Any two-star pitchers that have changed or have been added? Any other scheduling things that we need to know about? Yeah, a few things. I don't think the number of games has changed for any team. We still don't know when they're, the the Giants and Padres are going to make up the first of the two games they skipped. Uh, obviously, doubleheader Sunday made up for one, but the other, I, I'm guessing it'll be the final week of the season because the two of them have a series against each other then. So we're probably still looking at five games for the Giants this week and six for the Padres. 
neither of those situations favorable for their hitters. Uh, but there were a lot of changes to the two-star pitcher rankings. This has been the norm this year. Uh, Zach Greinke was going to be a two-star pitcher. Then it was Christian Javier. Now we don't know. But ones that were definitively added to the two-star pitcher rankings, Tony Gonsolin got pushed back for the Dodgers to, to Tuesday, uh, which means he's now in line for two starts at San Diego and at Colorado. So Ugh. really bad matchups. And yet, I still feel like he's an advisable start. Maybe maybe not if you're being super cautious with the ratios in a categories league, but any points league, I'd roll with Gonsolin. And frankly, most categories leagues, I think I would. Danny Duffy went from being a pretty advisable one-start option to now a two-start option at Detroit and at Milwaukee. So I think he's a good sleeper. Randy Dobnak, now a two-start pitcher at the White Sox at the Cubs. Not great matchups, and two of his last three starts have been pretty rough. So that's a borderline play, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember if I removed anybody notable... I don't think so. There are more additions than subtractions. I know. Young Kim. I think Michael Pineda lost his two-star week because he pitched Sunday, yeah. right? Yep. You're right. He did lose his two-start status. He's still an advisable start. He is one matchup against, uh, who is it, against the Cubs? Yes. Uh, and you know what? He actually didn't pitch that well on Sunday in terms of um, you know, runs allowed. He went four innings. But he did have eight strikeouts. He did have 16 swinging strikeouts. 16 swinging strikes is his swinging strike rate is through the roof through three starts. Nothing like we've ever seen from Michael Pineda before. So even though it was kind of a rough outing last time, I'd still feel good rolling with him in a one start week. Uh, Kwang Hyun Kim, as I was saying, uh, is back from the IL Monday for a double header and he's in line for two starts at Milwaukee at Pittsburgh. So two good matchups. Don't know how deep he's going to pitch after missing some time. I, I, more likely than not avoid him, but uh, you could do worse if you're desperate to get an extra start in your lineup. Uh, Vince Velasquez was added at Miami versus Toronto. Those are okay matchups. Is he a good pitcher? I have my doubts. Tyler Anderson at Seattle at Oakland. We're getting pretty deep here. Mitch Keller, who you already pointed out, he's added in two-star pitcher, but I want to trust him. I think I think we've covered the ones worth covering. All righty. I told people to send some lineup questions in over the weekend, some starter sits, and let's hit a little rapid fire here, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. And speaking of emails, send us some keeper questions. We'll go over you know, some interesting keepers, some late-round players who uh, you might be able to keep in your leagues on tomorrow's podcast. It's a bit, bit of a lighter slate on Monday. Put keepers in the subject line, and we'll answer some of those questions. This one was from Ben. In the outfield, would you rather start Mark Canna or Austin Meadows this week, Scott? Austin Meadows, seven games, including five in Camden. And for Canna, he has seven games, including two in Coors Field. Good matchups for both, but I know Meadows homered once over the weekend. It's He's got a long way to go to regain trust, I think. So go with Canna. Yeah, that's the right answer, Scott. You know deep down you wanted to say Canna anyway. This one's from Justin. Who would you start in a points league? Zach Gallen at the Angels. Michael Pineda at the Cubs. Dylan Cease, a two-start week, which we kind of said we were worried about on Friday, and I think rightfully so. He's going up against the Twins, and he's at the Reds. Again, that is Dylan Cease. Uh, Scott, Zach Gallen didn't necessarily look like himself. It was the worst the start of his career. 
It was the worst start of his career on Saturday, I yes. believe. Yes, he allowed seven earned runs and five walks. He has now allowed 11 earned runs over his last two starts. So with that being said, Gallon at the Angels, Pineda at the Cubs, or Dylan Cease for two. Yeah, I mean, this was the only start that was really, like, he looked bad. Like, what's wrong with Zach Gallon kind of situation. But we've seen, we've seen the walks. We've seen these blips with his walks before. Last year, we saw it, where it was really just a couple of bad walk starts contributed to a high rate for the season. And this year, he, he's, he's issued 22 walks this season. Zach Gallon has 14 of those 22 have come in just three games. So the rest have been all two or fewer. And uh, I still think he's the best pitcher of this group. The Angels matchup isn't one that's going to scare me. So I think you go Gallon here. I would not bother with Cease in the two-start week. Those are, um, despite where those teams rank and run scored, I think I think those are worrisome matchups. I agree. I like Gallon in his matchup against the Angels. This is from Bill, head-to-head points league, final week. Would you play Jake Cronenworth six games or Kesson Hiera for eight? Uh, six games for the Padres, and I don't like the the pitching matchups. I do like the Brewers matchups in their eight-game week, so I will go Hira. This one's also from Bill, uh, head-to-head points league again. Two-start pitchers are at a premium, trying to figure out a way to fit Davey, Davey Garcia into my lineup for the championship week. I have two-start Dane Dunning also, but Davey has better matchups. My bottom four pitchers, Gallon at the Angels, Plesak at Detroit, Sixto, Sanchez at home against the Nationals, and Michael Pineda at the Cubs. I guess the only one that you can debate is going over Pineda, right? Using Davey Garcia for a two-start week over Pineda, Scott? I think that's the only one you can debate. And I actually have those ranked second and third in my 10 sleeper pitchers for this upcoming week. Second is Davey Garcia. Third is Michael Pineda. So I think you bench Pineda for the two-start Garcia and hope you get good returns on that. Uh, it's worth pointing out on Sunday, Zach Plesak did not have such a great outing. Because he's on this list here at Detroit. Obviously, that matchup is really good. I'm not worried about the outing Plesek had, though. He he issued three home runs. He's kind of a fly ball pitcher. That's going to happen sometimes. But um, like he he's just like he had 15 whiffs in this game. He's just looked dominant, and getting burned by home runs on occasion is is the price you pay is the cost of doing business, as they say, right? So I'm not worried about Plesak. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you have to get him in against the Detroit Tigers. That is a primo matchup. This one's from Matthew. Would you start J.D. Martinez or Ryan Mountcastle? 10-team head-to-head points league. J.D. Martinez, six games this week, including three in Miami. And, of course, Ryan Mountcastle plays, I believe it's eight Eight. games. Eight games. And they're all at home, I think. Yes, they are all at home. Correct. So, J.D. Martinez or Ryan Mountcastle? Uh, I think this is when... I think this is when you do something a little uh, a little it. reckless and scary and... Say it, Scott. Slot in Mountcastle over Martinez. Yeah. I think you do. <laughs> I, think you do. I think we're to that point with J.D. Martinez. I mean, it's as much to do with Mountcastle as Martinez because he has just been... Money since getting called up. He's my number one sleeper hitter for this week. I think you do that. 
The last 28 days for J.D. Martinez entering Sunday. Triple slash, 177, 258, 317. Something is just not right. I agree. I think you bench J.D. Martinez for Ryan Mountcastle. This one's from Hugh. I am trying to decide who to bench. Please pick one. Alex Bregman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Ryan Mountcastle, Eddie Rosario, who is banged up, so that might be the answer for you. Uh, Ramon Laureano, who hasn't been good, but does have two games in Colorado. Benching one of these dudes. I am going to bench... I bench Laureano. I don't care so much about the two games at Colorado. Feel better about the other four. Just pay attention to that, Eddie Rosario. You should know on Monday because the Twins play seven games this week. So... I'm sorry. Did I miss an injury with him? I, I believe he left with... I think he got hit by a pitch on his elbow, Eddie Rosario. Oh, that does sound familiar, yeah. So just pay attention to that news. Yeah, I mean, if there's any risk of him sitting, then I think that... that that decides it for you. Fair enough. This one's from Adam. Week one of my playoffs in a points league where we only have seven total starts a week and set our rotation on Monday. For the last two starts, I can choose from Zach Wheeler versus the Blue Jays, Brandon Woodruff versus the Cardinals, or Michael Pineda at the Cubs. Well, Wheeler, his situation with the fingers... It's kind of up in the air, hurting it, pulling him, pulling up his pants. Yeah, we don't really know. I I suspect he is going to make a start at the end of the week, but we don't really know. And I mean, Woodruff, Woodruff bounced back so strong over the weekend. Seven one hit innings with twelve strikeouts on Friday. Uh, yeah, I I think Woodruff is the best pitcher here. I think the matchup is pretty good against the Cardinals, and coming off the start he just had, I think he's the he's the way to go here. All right, let's get through these a little bit faster. Just tell me who you would start here, Scott. Would you bench Marcus Semien for Nick Madrigal, 6x6 Roto League with OBP? I don't I don't think I would. I like the Athletics matchups better, and, and Madrigal's been hitting a bunch of singles, basically. Of these players, if you had to drop one of them, who would it be? Anthony Rizzo, Luke Voigt, Reese Hoskins, Jose Ramirez, Nolan Arenado, Matt Chapman. All right, Chapman's oh, hurt. Yeah, he's out for the season now, having hip surgery, right? So, yeah, yeah, he's out. From Carl, I need three of Michael Brantley, Kyle Lewis, Kyle Tucker, and Randall Grichuk for my outfield. To start, I mean, Lewis has gone ice cold here, and I don't like the Mariners' matchups. So, without even looking at the others, I'm going to say sit Lewis. I also have Carlos Correa and Alec Bohm, who I can play at my utility. Who would you play between those two? I would play Bohm, but I'm... Well, you can't. I was wondering if you could slot both of them in and sit another outfielder. I think I'd play... I think I'd play Bohm. Maybe I need to double-check what Correa's been doing. From Adam. You don't want me to do that. All right, let's keep going. (laughs) Uh, I know you guys aren't too excited about the two-star week from Dylan Cease. But when Max Fried comes off the aisle in a few days, I have to make some room. Who would you rather drop, the two-start Cease or a struggling Frankie Montas with only one start? Um, you're not going to play either, are you? Uh, I would drop Cease because you know nobody can use a two-start week against you the final week of the year if he's making two starts this week. So I'd drop Cease. 
Need one head-to-head categories. Ian Anderson at the Mets. Framber Valdez versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Pablo Lopez for two. Kwangyun Kim for two as well. Just one. Ian Anderson threw seven one-hit innings over the weekend, striking out nine. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's the one, unless... Unless you're really needing to make up ground and wins and strikeouts and then maybe you go with the two-start Lopez, but that's riskier. Ian Anderson is safe. Uh, all right, we're going to hit a quick break, but I do want to quickly promote a few things. Uh, we're available on all plat- podcast platforms, including Spotify and Stitcher, so a reminder that you can listen to us there. Join our Facebook group. Lots of keeper questions, as I mentioned, coming in right now. I'm already getting excited about the 2021 20- fantasy season, which... As soon as this season ends, we can already start talking about like position previews and some other mock draft stuff. So getting excited about that, facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. All right, take a quick break. When we come back, we'll touch on all the other happenings from the weekend. We got some waiver wire stuff, some studs, some duds, some starter sit. We'll do that here, fantasy baseball today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Some fringy pitchers from the weekend. What do we think of these players, and do we feel comfortable starting them with our seasons potentially on the line in the playoffs or down the stretch in our Roto Leagues? Let's start things off with Charlie Morton, Scott, against the Red Sox on Sunday. Four and a third, six hits, three earned, four strikeouts. He did get up to 77 pitches. He is at Baltimore this week. Would you feel comfortable starting him there? It's a good matchup, but he just hasn't looked reliable enough since returning. I don't have any comfort level with him. Yeah, it's hard for me to argue with that. And you know what sucks is my team has been so awesome in our 12-team head-to-head podcast league, points league, and my pitching is just all hurt and, like, falling apart. And now I have to start Charlie Morton. It's it's all, it's just, it's all falling apart, Scott. Brad Keller, complete game shutout versus the Pirates on Sunday. Just five hits allowed, but also just two strikeouts. His ERA is... 2.06. His XFIP is 4.29. Brad Keller this week at home against the Cardinals. How do you feel about that start, Scott? I believe... Is he at home against the Cardinals? I, I think maybe it's gotten pushed back 
to the royal. Oh, no, wait, he is the royals. I'm sorry. I'm taking this thing off the rails. <laughs> the Brewers, which is a better matchup than the Cardinals. But I don't, I don't, I'd rather not have to start him in a one start week because it's like he hasn't been getting many strikeouts. And well, I think he's a good volume pitcher, a good ground ball pitcher. Like he, I, I don't know. He's an okay sleeper if you have to stretch, but I'd rather not have to do it. Tristan McKenzie was at the Twins on Sunday. Not his best performance. Four and a third, five earned runs. Did have seven strikeouts. He is at Detroit this week, Scott. Yeah, I think I'd roll with him. Even though it was just a so-so start this time, stuff still looks good. There's been more good than bad. Good matchup. Uh, Spencer Turnbull on Sunday allowed five earned runs to the Chicago White Sox. Good matchup this week against the Cleveland Indians. What do you think there? Nah, Nah. Nah, you can do better. I'd rather do Keller. How about Tyler Malley, who is at the car, who was at the Cardinals on Sunday, but not great. Two and two thirds, three earned, four walks. He is up against the White Sox this week. Yeah, it was a really awful start for uh, for Malley, who's gained a lot of trust recently, pitching deep into games for the first time. That slider cutter hybrid's been awesome. I, I'd be I'd be comfortable using him. I think I don't think he's must start in a one start week, but I'd still be comfortable using him. Andrew Heaney was at the Rockies in Coors Field on Sunday and pretty damn good. Seven innings pitched, three earned runs, eight strikeouts, zero walks. He has a quality start in three of his last four outings. Again, that's Andrew Heaney. He's going up against the Texas Rangers this week. You start him there, Scott? Oh, that's a really good matchup. He's He still puts the ball in there so much that it's amazing. He's given up only four home runs and regression is coming in that area, but I think you take advantage of that matchup with... Three of his last four being seven-inning gems. We spoke a little bit about Dean Kramer. He's only 20% rostered, but up against the Rays this week. Don't love that start, but you said you like him for the final week. He might have a two-star week. He might have a two-star week. He'll be rested enough for a two-star week if they if they decide to give him preferential treatment. So maybe a pickup and stash, but I want to start him this week. Chris Bassett was at the Rangers on Saturday. Six innings of one-run ball with eight strikeouts. He's going up against the San Francisco Giants this week. Chris Bassett. That's actually kind of a tough matchup. And, oh, yeah. Um, you know, the ERA looks good. I'm I'm not really sure how he's doing it. This start independently, like he did all, I, like I understand why he was good in this start, but the season-long peripherals, the uh, under-the-hood stats, they don't look great. So I wouldn't really trust him. Seth Lugo was at the Blue Jays on Saturday. Three earned runs over five and a third. He did get the pitch count up to 91. 12 swinging strikes. He is at the Phillies this week. Seth Lugo, starter sit. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I, I don't hate it because I think Seth Lugo is really, really good. And this was his worst start since joining the rotation, and it still wasn't half bad. Uh, but I don't think he's must start. Framber Valdez, Scott. Uh, what's going on with Framber Valdez? He was at the Dodgers on Saturday. Obviously, a tough matchup there. Allowed five earned runs with seven strikeouts in his five innings of work. He has now allowed 13 earned runs over his last two starts. Framber Valdez against the Diamondbacks this week. Starter sit. I like the matchup, and I'm actually not worried about Valdez because uncharacteristically did not get many ground balls in this start, which led to two home runs and the previous start where he allowed some runs. It was, it was cause they left him in, in into the eighth inning and uh, things kind of fell apart for him then. So I still have a lot of trust for Fromber Valdez. I won't go as far as to call him a must start a one start week, but I'm, I'm fine using him. 
Julio Arias, Scott, we haven't spoke about him much this season, but he's been very inconsistent, up and down. He was against the Astros on Saturday. Six innings of one-run ball, four walks, three strikeouts. This week, he's at Colorado. I feel like normally he's kind of like on that border of being a must-start pitcher. You use him there? Not at Colorado, no. And I'm really, really curious um, how we should value him for... 2021 because the strikeout rate isn't good. The walk rate isn't good. He's not a good fly ball pitcher. I mean, not a good ground ball pitcher, a guy who gives up his share of fly balls. He seems like he's vulnerable in several ways, uh, but he gives up weak contact. I don't know. Strange profile for Julio Arias, who, you know, probably hasn't maxed out his upside yet either. Uh, Rich Hill has... Been okay recently. Five innings pitched, two earned runs, seven strikeouts on Saturday against Cleveland. It was his first game with a double-digit swinging strike rate all season. Uh, his first game. Rate, rate, not yeah. total. Yeah. yeah, swinging strike rate. Uh, he's at the Cubs this week. Rich Hill. It's okay. It's okay. He's not a huge swinging strike rate, even at his best. Uh, swinging strike guy, even at his best. Uh I don't know. He seems most of the way back, so I, I could I could do this. There are others on this list that I like more, though. Justice Sheffield was at the Diamondbacks Saturday. Seven innings, two runs, seven strikeouts. Two runs or less in four of his last six starts. 50% rostered. The problem, he faces the Padres this week. Justice Sheffield, starter sit. Yeah, so you can't use him with that matchup. He's starting to look a little like a poor man's Fromber Valdez, though. Good ground ball rate. Not the ridiculous ground ball rate Valdez has, but a good ground ball rate, and yet still gets a decent number of strikeouts. Uh, but I'm, I'm not ready to trust him against the Padres. Last but not least, Dakota Hudson, a.k.a. the National League, Brad Keller is going up against the Pirates this week. He's at Pittsburgh, and this weekend against the Reds, six innings of one-run ball. He only allowed one hit, but four walks and four strikeouts. Uh, Dakota Hudson has allowed three earned runs or less in six of seven starts. What do you think of that matchup, Scott, at Pittsburgh? It's fine. It's fine. I'd be more likely to use him in a points league than Roto probably. But, I mean, he's he's kept the base runners down this year. I, I think you could justify using him anywhere. Not enthusiastically, but if you're in a pinch. Uh, but, yeah, those are some of your starter sit pitchers for this week. Scott, if you had to decide, a few people have asked this, between Jesus Aguilar or Garrett Cooper, they both played nine games this week, and you're just looking for a hitter to stream some volume. Who would you prefer between those two, Aguilar or Garrett Cooper? Yeah, they're both in my top 10 sleeper hitters for this upcoming week, but I think I think Aguilar is better. Aguilar has been red hot since coming back from the IL and low strikeout rate, high line drive rate this year. Just looks like a guy who's going to keep piling up hits with good matchups like that. Some studs and duds from the weekend. Mentioned on Friday's podcast, Adalberto Mondesi had a sweet and savory. Yes, I'm still... I'm still working this out, but some, still trying. Some You're still pe- trying. Some people have emailed and and tweeted regarding. I I I think it's I think it's kind of catching up. I do want to apologize to the ESPN Fantasy Focus podcast, by the way, because I inadvertently used I suggested combo meal, not knowing that this is something they've done for like seven or eight years. So give all the credit where where it's due. Uh, that is definitely their shtick and something that we are not going to use. Uh, but as sweet and savory. All right, Adalberto Montesi had one on Thursday night. He had one. Three straight games where he had a home run and a stolen base in the same game. And I saw this stat. Uh, he is just the second player since 1900 
to hit a home run and steal a base in three straight games, joining Bobby Abreu, who did it May 12th through 15th in 2004. Mm. Mondesi's hot. The problem, they only have five games this week. I think if you play in a road or a head to categories league, I'm probably getting them in. Like, now's the time to do it if, if you waited this long, right, Scott? Yeah, I kind of suspect most had him active in that format already just because he's been such a great steel source all you're terrible at everything else um like it, it looks like a hot streak it his babbit during this stretch has been uh really high so you know I'm, I'm not so sure he's turning over a new leaf here but it's nice that he's contributing something more than stolen bases at least right now it's gonna be awesome when he just is great for the final two weeks, Scott, and then I, I buy in again next season, and then he's terrible. I just I see it coming already with oh, Ad- yeah. Adalberto yeah. Mondesi. <laughs> uh, a few other names that have been that were great over the weekend: Dylan Moore. I mean, one of the, one of the waiver wire pickups of the year. He's still just fifty five percent rostered, but picked up another steal on Sunday. Now has seven home runs and eleven steals in the season, and that is with an IL stint again. That is Dylan Moore, Jose Abreu, four for four with. Two home runs, seven RBI, and five runs scored on Saturday. I mentioned this regarding Freddie Freeman last week, but according to StatCast, this is the best version of Jose Abreu that we have ever seen. And at 33 years old, he has a 316 expected batting average and a 622 expected slug. Mike Clevenger, a complete game doubleheader edition on Sunday against the Giants. Seven shutout, two hits, one walk, seven strikeouts. This is the Mike Clevenger that we've been looking for. 14 swinging strikes on 99 pitches. He averaged 96 miles per hour on the fastball, and that is now four straight starts where he's averaged over 95 miles per hour on his fastball. Again, that is Mike Clevenger. Sixto Sanchez also pitched a complete game, doubleheader edition. So seven innings, one walk, uh, one earned run, excuse me, three walks, four strikeouts, 10 ball ground ball outs, 10 swinging strikes on 90 pitches. Hyunjin Ryu, another 6 inning one-run performance. And Patrick Corbin, nice bounce back against the Braves. Tough matchup on Saturday. Seven innings of two-run ball, zero walks. You'll love to see that. With eight strikeouts, he is at Miami this week. If you bench Patrick Corbin, make sure to get him back in your lineup. Scott, between Dylan Moore, Jose Abreu, Clevenger, Sixto Sanchez, Ryu, and Corbin, anything you would like to add on those gentlemen? Well, I think... Coinciding with that increase in velocity over his last four starts, Clevenger has issued just one walk in each of his last four starts. So definitely things are looking up for him. Sixto Sanchez has been great, of course, but now three of his four starts less than a strikeout per. And uh, he's at less than strikeout per for the season now too. So, um You know, we were hopeful after he struck out, I think it was 10 in the second start, that maybe he was, maybe he was going to be, maybe the whiffs had arrived and he was going to be more of a strikeout pitcher than he showed in the minors. I think that's not necessarily false at this point, but I I, I wouldn't be counting on that. It's more about the efficiency and getting ground balls for Sixto Sanchez, at least at this stage of his career, which, you know, I'm not saying that means you need to sit him, but just keep that in mind. Some bullpen notes, just want to hit on some of these things and for those in deeper leagues that are still chasing saves because I know that I am, Scott. I know that based on the way you drafted, you're probably still chasing saves as well. Any concern over Kenley Jansen has allowed six earned runs over his last two appearances. Blake Trinan has been pretty awesome as well, a 2.57 ERA and a 105 
whip. I believe he picked up a save last week uh, when Jansen was used a couple of days in a row. So any concern over Kenley Jansen, Scott? Uh, I haven't really had any concerns about him this year, no. Um, Obviously a rough stretch, but I think they're going to stick with him. Sergio Romo picked up a save on Sunday. Taylor Rogers had pitched in three of the last four games uh, heading into Sunday's action, so I don't think there's really much to see there. How about Matt Andrees, Scott, who picked up the save, uh, picked up saves on both Saturday and Sunday for the Angels, but is he the guy? This is, you know, I, I tried to do this before with Felix Pena, and it didn't work out. Uh, Ty Buttry was used Thursday, Friday, Saturday. He allowed three earned runs on Friday. Do we think Matt Andrees is the guy, or was this just giving Ty Buttry a couple of days off? Well, I don't think on Saturday Buttery was used in, in, in a closer capacity. That was an extra inning game. He was used earlier in the game after blowing a save uh, pretty badly on Friday, I believe it was. Uh, so I, I was expecting Buttery to get bumped again from the role. I assumed Felix Pena would go back in, but now Andres is... He got the save in the 11th inning Saturday, so that was unconventional. And And frankly, Sunday's was kind of unconventional too because it was two innings, but it was more... Uh, you know, it was the eighth and ninth innings of a game where they had they were going to have a save situation. I, I don't know that Andres is the guy. I mean, I think you have to call him the front runner now. I suspect it'll, I suspect they'll kind of go committee from this point forward. On a bad Angels team too, which doesn't yeah. really help us all that much. But just a name to pay attention to. I know a few fifteen team leagues like I am picking up scraps to try and find saves. Andres is just one percent rostered. Uh, in CBS leagues. Craig Kimbrell picked up the save on Saturday. Jeremy Jeffers had pitched three times in four days entering Saturday. Do you think we're getting closer to Craig Kimbrell as the guy, Scott, or do you think they share moving forward, Kimbrell and Jeremy Jeffers? I think the Cubs really want to get Kimbrell back in that role, and he's been great in like low leverage situations. So it, I don't think the... Cubs are crazy for doing that. And Jeffers, meanwhile, I mean, the ratios don't look good, even though the ERA does. So I, I would not be too confident in Jeffers going forward, but I'm not ready to dump him because Kimbrell got a save over the weekend. Diego Castillo picked up another save on Saturday with Nick Anderson pitching in the eighth. Castillo. Now, what's, inter- what's interesting about that, maybe you were about to point this out, uh, but it was reversed the last time. We saw the the Rays get a save. And what's notable about this one, Nick Anderson working the eighth, it was against Bogarts, Devers, and, uh, and J.D. Martinez. So clearly the heart of the Red Sox lineup. So I suspect if it was a different three do up in the eighth, it would have been Castillo and Anderson in the ninth. Mm, that is good to know. Uh, I wasn't going to point that out, actually, but that's a great note. Uh, Castillo has four of the Rays last... Five saves. So <laughs> I don't know that we can ever trust these trends out of Tampa Bay, but just worth mentioning, Castillo has been the guy recently. Rafael Dolas picked up his fourth save of the season this weekend. Ken Giles did pitch on Friday. He returned, allowed a run, but the team said that they would ease him in. Who do you think gets the next save opportunity for the Blue Jays, Scott? Is it Ken Giles or is it Rafael Dolas? I, I think it's Rafael Dolas, I think, who... I put in some claims for this week, and not big enough that I actually won him, but I put in some claims for him. Uh, yeah, definitely. Situation to pay. I, I think it's Dolas, too. I don't think that they're going to ramp up uh, Ken Giles that 
quickly. On Friday, Brandon Kinsler pitched in the top of the sixth, up four to two at the time. Then Yimi Garcia pitched in the ninth, allowed a run, but picked up the save. Is anything to see here, Scott? I think there was like a fingernail issue for Kinsler or something. So they intentionally kept him out of the ninth for that game. It doesn't sound like a changing of the guard or anything. All right. That's, I trust you. That's how the MLB.com recap put it anyway. Stefan Crichton picked up the save on Friday for the Diamondbacks. He pitched two-thirds of an inning. He is 2% rostered. Kevin Hinkle has been optioned to their alternate site. So I assume Crichton is the guy now, Scott. Yeah, and I was prioritizing Crichton, not over Delise or Dolis. I, I think it's actually Delise, but I'm not sure. Um, Crichton. I was prioritizing him over like Andres or um, in those deeper leagues. I think he was being overlooked because I'm not sure who else would get saves other than him going forward. I don't think he's very good. Uh, Of course, Greg Holland got saves three consecutive days here recently. So he's, he's not as available as some of these others, but if, if you do need saves and he is available, like he he appears to be the Royals closer for sure now. Scott, you are correct again. It is Dolise, Rafael Dolise. So something that I will remember moving forward. All right, Scott, that's it. I mean, the playoffs are starting this week. Got to a lot here. And good luck to everybody out there in the fantasy playoffs. Hopefully uh, you bring it home. We're not going anywhere. We're still going to be here for the rest of the season. But uh, yeah, we're winding down a little bit here, Scott. It's... It's been a crazy time. It's been a sprint. It it's has been a sprint. Let's 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 make that final charge to the finish line together. Let's do it. He is Scott White. I am Frank Sample. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best. Stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company and it's become the go to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So, why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging in fact wasabi is up to 80 percent less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from wasabi's ai enabled intelligent media storage wasabi air to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals data deletion and ransomware wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.